0: The No Sweat Podcast with Andrew O'Neill. Welcome to episode six of the No Sweat podcast. I am Andrew O'Neill.
1: I'm Nav, and I'm Major.
0: And we're buzzing off the energy and good vibes and community feel of the No Sweat benefit gig we did. Uh, this was on Saturday, just last Saturday, not last Saturday, but last Saturday before, not, not this Saturday, the one before, not not next. You're, don't think of next Saturday. It's last Saturday. I had a lot to drink. Um, it was it was amazing. It was at the Hundred Club, the iconic Hundred Club in Oxford Street. Right in the belly of the beast, among all the clothes selling shops that they have, and um, it was a roaring success. We raised loads of money. We raised awareness. We built the notion that we can make stuff happen. And uh, also, (laughs) um, Nava Maisha saw me in real life for the first time, and were (laughs) freaked out that I was taller than I appear on screen. Yes. How much taller? I mean, did you expect me to be like? Fitted within a screen like a Star Wars toy. Size. I mean, when we
2: see each other, we're quite eye level, so maybe <laughs> that's true. That's true. And
0: I, I, I looked round and couldn't see who was speaking. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so odd because we've done all of these together, and in fact, all the meetings are out about doing them and stuff. And it kind of yeah, really feels like we've got to know each other. And then you go, oh yeah, we've never been in a room together. <laughs> it's quite weird.
1: I think for um, me, it's the opposite where I. Like, I feel like people don't know I'm short, and so I always anticipate their realisation when they see me, when people realise, oh, she's not actually, like, normal size. So it's normally the opposite. I'm just, like, dreading people's response to me. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm shorter than I've probably seen on Zoom.
0: Well, the, your hair was still massive, though, so, that, you know, it kind of makes it makes up for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, it was it was really good, and, and it also feels like... Um, it feels almost like a bit like a, the sort of... Um, like a punctuation mark at the end of this series of podcasts as well, you know, having um, explored the issues and talked to people and talked to activists and, and you know, discussed the issues and sort of got to know each other, and then actually doing something in real life that, you know, like it, it felt really good, and, and it will be kind of the engine to, to kind of push off and, and do more stuff. So, um, so, Maisha, who was it we were talking to, the No Sweat Benefit?
1: Yeah, so we had two pretty awesome representatives. We had um, Dr. Zani, who's an academic and activist from Burma. He mm-hmm. um, spoke to us about um, like the politics of Myanmar, um, the Rohingya genocide, and what's happening right now with the military coup. And we also had reps from Haiti Support Group, who we've been working with since literally the early 2000s on different campaigns, like with... Um, situation like exploitations like Disney and Levi's and then there was we supported them in 2010 with the earthquake and yeah we've just kept in contact with them um, particularly regarding the protests that have been happening recently regarding wages and the impact that's had on garment workers
0: they were incredibly cool as well weren't they all of them I mean, I think Zani oh, cool. stands out—the <laughs> biggest personality—but yeah. really great speakers, and you know, we're gonna in series two, we're gonna have to get all each of them individually on and just mm. go tell us more because they—they were we could only chat to them. I was so I was—you'll hear them later on in the in the podcast. Uh, I was interviewing them, and and by interviewing them, I was pretty much going go <laughs> and then they talked talked eloquently and, and and passionately um and then you know there's a lot of kind of like pointing at our watches going well we've you know we've only got a certain amount of time and then we had um Sunjai arif and we had lou sanders and we had mark thomas all doing incredible stand-up comedy and it, so we, you know so it's like it's actually raising money and a significant amount of money money that will make a difference but also building a sense of community and you know and there were a couple of hundred people who now are that much more informed, but also not just like, like the information you would get off this podcast, but it felt like the passion and the eloquence of our, of our guest speakers, you could feel everyone was really, really into it. It was great. It was a, it was, it was a wicked atmosphere um, and nice for us to hang out. Um, and also, we we're all buzzing off what Nav had been getting up to in the lead up to it. Nav, tell us
2: about what you've been doing. So on Valentine's Day we visited uh, London Olympia where Boohoo were holding a talk called A Fashion Focus Ethical Clothing Starts with Industry Collaboration um, at Source Fashion's Responsible Sourcing Show and all of the panellists and the moderator were from Boohoo, so there was no collaboration and and we just uh, shouted out some 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 facts. And stats, and then security guards took us away. This is nav We're currently outside the Source Fashion Show in London because today Boohoo hosted an all Boohoo panel on the future of ethical fashion. It's as gross as it sounds, and we came down to disrupt it. I think at the end, we hopefully have some time for questions, as long as you don't talk quite too much. How, How dare Boohoo take this platform? about ethics and industry collaboration when their garment makers in Leicester are paid £3.50 an hour. Why aren't your garment makers on this panel? Boohoo sells 207 million items of clothing per year. While garment makers make £3.50 an hour, Boohoo's CEO is set to receive a bonus of 200% times his salary. Well then how how, how, of Boohoo garment workers with Leicester? They complain about not being allowed to take toilet breaks. Boohoo sells one, two of a hundred and seven, push me. I can come up myself,
3: thank you very much. Please don't push me. Warehouse workers in Burnley were forced to work in extreme hot, sexual harassment, racism. What's ethical about that? Investigation for greenwashing, and
2: they one of the least sustainable brands. Hail Bye, bye, boohoo. Exploitation doesn't
0: do. What's amazing as you can see on the video. it's like this wonderful whack-a-mole thing because as one person stands up, shouts out, then gets taken away by security. Another person stands up and shouts out and gets taken away by security and then this bloke goes, how many are there? (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) It's really, really good. It's wonderful. How did it feel?
2: Um, It was nerve-wracking. When Venetia first stood up, um, like three security guards manhandled her I was like, wow, like she did not resist. So there was no mm. need for that force. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was running on two hours sleep. So I was just, I was just a mess. Um, <laughs> and I got on stage and like what I was meant to say just was not on my phone anymore. And then when the security guard, come, uh, security guard came up to me after seeing Vanisha get manhandled, I was like, nope. I was like, I can get off myself. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it still dragged me away, but I still said what I needed to. It it was good. And then after, like, people on the stores at the Source Fashion, um, Source event, they were, they were like, oh, well done. And it felt good. It felt nice.
0: That's really cool. So you didn't get, like, kicked out of the venue. You just got taken away from that stage, basically. Oh,
2: we got taken away from the stage and we asked if we could stay. They said no. So we basically got kicked out. (laughs) Okay. All
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. So was it a no sweat thing or was it just a bunch of you on your own? What was the, what was the deal?
2: So there were a group of uh, individual activists, a few of them social media uh, activists and influencers too.
0: Groovy! It was it was brilliant and and inspiring and yeah, it's cool. It was really cool. So uh, we're gonna get right into it. Uh, please, dear listener, sit back. Imagine it's last Saturday, you've gone down the stairs into Oxford Street's legendary 100 Club. There's a very, 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 very surprisingly tall, non-binary comedian (laughs) shouting at everybody from the stage. And then the serious bit happens. This was the No Sweat Benefit at the 100 Club. Welcome to the No Sweat Benefit gig here at the 100 Club on Oxford Street, where they sell all of the clothes that are made by exploited workers. <laughs> what a combination, an iconic punk gig for an iconic punk rock organisation right in the in the belly of the beast. Um, hello, my name is Andrew O'Neill. Uh, I am your host and compere and also will be doing the interviewing. So good evening. Is everyone all right? So it's my job to sort of get you uh, revved up, uh, tell you a bit of stuff about what No Sweat do, get you involved in things, but mainly it's sort of at this part of the show. It's comparing. So when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, you've fallen over on the moon. (laughs) Clumsy astronauts. So good evening. Have I told you the tale of the man with 20 bollocks? Well, (laughs) Horny he was, (laughs) why, upwards of 10 times as horny as a normal man, the man with 20 bollocks. Reticent to climb over a country style he was, the man with 20 bollocks. Wince every time he saw a child on a space hopper he did. The man with 20 bollocks. I'm working on an hour-long show. There's just that. <laughs> um, it's It will be art. Um, so, good evening. So, uh, give me a shout if you came to any of the No Sweat comedy gigs uh, at the Cross Kings uh, in what I believe was the 1450s. Uh, anyone come to those gigs? For The rest are all dead from punk. Um, just fucking red stripe-based deaths. Um Give me a shout if you didn't. Yeah. Give me a shout if you have never been to a no sweat benefit or demo before. Yeah. Okay, good new blood. Give me a shout if you've heard our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's not enough, is it? No, we need to work on our advertising. Okay, um, so. Uh, I was once arrested on a Huntington Life Sciences demo, uh, uh, doing some, some fucking uh, hardcore vegan anti-vivisection activism, and we were—they we, arrested the whole demo. So it's 86 of us. They just what they—but what they did is they put us in our own van and drove us to the police station. <laughs> I thought was rude. Um, and they took, uh, they took our layered, they took our clothes, they took my snare drum, fuck's sake, um, and they put us in those paper suits, you know, like fucking, you know, and, and CSI Miami, and, um, I've not seen any of the CSI ones, I don't know if the Miami ones, particularly paper suit based, I don't watch much telly, well I do, but it's on Britbox, and it's from the 70s, um, so yeah, any fans of Survivors in, fuck yeah, um, anyway, right, Andrew, concentrate, um, (laughs) The point, right? What is the point? There was a point, I'm sure. Oh yeah, so so the charge was conspiracy to commit burglary, conspiracy, you say? If they'd seen us in our paper suits and slippers that they'd given us, pushing the van to try to get it started in order to get home, I feel those conspiracy charges might have been dropped. (laughs) So uh, there you go. That's my pass. Right, so. So it's my job to get you, uh, I'd say, warmed up. Uh, I'll do a little bit of uh, demographic, uh, uh, what's name, and then we'll get our first guest speaker on, do some interviews. For so the first section, uh, we're going to do interviews about um, Haiti and Burma, uh, and we're going to talk about the conditions of their political situation, how that impacts on the clothes that they sell over there, <laughs> right, made by workers from those countries. Uh, then there'll be a break, and then there'll be just comedy, 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 occasional political point comedy. Um, so, uh, So i will do a demographic uh, sort of survey because I, apart from anything else, I'm quite excited about the, the influx of so young people in, in the movement. It's nice. So I am 43, right? No! Fuck your lack of incredulity, right? I'm 43. I'm 43, right? Because non binary don't lose finery. I am. Um, I'm 43, right? Uh, give me a shot if you're younger than me. See? Give me a shot if you're older than me. Oh, kick the chair. Who's in their 40s? 50s, yeah. 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s. COVID, sorry. Um, right. so don't shoot the messenger, all right? Look, I'm no conspiracy theorist, Right. right? I'm not, I'm not triple jabbed, right? I'm no conspiracy theorist, right? But that pension bill-based demographic time bomb we were worried about seems to sort itself out, doesn't it? All right, so anyway... Um, Oh, found the line. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. <laughs> good to know. Who's in their 30s? <laughs> 20s? <laughs> Teenagers? Yay! Sorry about global warming. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. We did that. Sorry. We burnt everything in the past. I do apologise. <laughs> I'll be dead. You'll be canoeing to work. Soz. Um, so... Right, now I've got you worn up for a comedy gig, the serious bit. Um, So I'm going to take my coat off. Um, I'm going to encourage you to whoop. Because what usually happens is three people whoop. And that's embarrassing. Do you know what I mean? That's right, exactly it. It's just... Thank you very much. Uh, it's going in the wank bank. Now, um, <laughs> right. I need to change the tone. This is my job tonight. It's t- tone management. Yeah, no more whooping. See? <laughs> Give it up for exploited workers. Woo, no, it's bad. Oh, no. Um, so uh, what No Sweat do is um, try to... Um, partly inform everyone but also um, build solidarity. So we've got a few speakers, some experts going to come on and chat to us uh, about what's going on, what we can do about it. So please, uh, would you welcome to the stage? Our first guest, it's Zani. <laughs> keep it going, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. Keep it going, keep it going. Make it feel like a rock star. Come on, give it going. Hello mate. Hello. Oh, just here, yeah, sit there, mate. Right. So, Zani, please, first of all, introduce yourself to everybody. Tell us who you are,
4: what you do, and what you're going to be chatting to us about. Um, I'm Zani, born and raised in Burma, lived under the first military dictatorship from 63 to 88. Uh, then, from then on, I've been in exile on and off for the last 35 years, involved in uh, different waves of. Um, Activism, trying to reform uh, or like radically change the situation.
0: So Zani, tell us, um, tell us a bit about Burma's um, history. I mean, Burma, we've only got fifteen minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know there's a, there's, a, there's a fuck of a lot to tell. Yeah. tell us a bit about Burma's. So you mentioned the genocide, uh, the, the, the the change in, in government. Give us a little, a little preview of what's happened over the last sort of decade or so.
4: Well, in a nutshell, it's a uh, you know, British colonial mess left over 75 years ago, like Palestine or, you know, Pakistan, India, uh, partition. So you shouldn't be surprised about that, uh, the British Raj. But, uh, that's not to put all the uh, blames on the uh, British, uh, uh, governments. Uh, the, the Burmese elite, uh, uh, which I come from, uh, the, the majority of the Burmese, um, we are trying to build a monolithic, uh, Unitary state; it imposed our political design and our priorities over a minor, uh, <coughs> multi-ethnic um, country. Yeah. When you've got forty to, you know, th- uh, forty-five percent um, ethnic nationalities or minorities population, you you could only pursue a federalist. That is uh, to say, uh, the group equality. As a cornerstone of the politics, mm-hmm. and then we are pursuing a uh, internally colonial policy. So, so we've been in civil war, or, um, you know, at varying intensities since 1948. So, yeah, the right. second second World war never ended, as far as we're concerned.
0: Yeah. So this is this this is a legacy of imposing a nation state on a hugely disparate group of eth- ethnicities that been?
4: Yeah, I mean it's not imposing nation state but it's imposing a unitary form of state over multi um, ethnic uh, communities. So multiple nations you know um uh, straight jacketed into a single um political system. Yeah. So we become a brown colonizer in our own country. And so that that's how you know the the rest of the society or the ethnic communities feel and they are rightly so. Yeah,
0: yeah. So what's happened over the last few years?
4: Well, the last few years, uh, the the reforms, top down, um, you know, undertaken by the military with the blessing of the Americans and the um, Al Kyi, it stalled. Uh, the, the military came up with this uh, constitution which is actually antithesis of a democracy. You, they created a constitution of, for, and by the military, so that the constitution is generally amenable. You know, even Bibles are open to interpretation, right? And and we've got the constitution of 2008 that put military above society, above the law. They are the judge, the arbiter, the prosecutor, yeah. right? And, and so the Aung San Suu Kyi tried to do the impossible, which was to try to amend the constitution. And also the constitution made her impossible to become the president. And so she she pursued a number of contradictory policies with regards to her attempt to change the military. You know, she appeased the military, uh, went to The Hague at the International Court of Justice, mm-hmm. uh, d- it, uh, defended not the victims of the genocide, the Muslims, the, called Rohingya, but defended the military, right? And uh, she thought that, you know, by being daughter of the founder of the national army, right? Uh, she could charm her way into the hearts of the generals. She, you know, on Radio Four, like um, she said, "I love the the Burmese military. They're like my brothers, generals." So, so it backfired, and so finally, the military decided that, you know, she was too much of a thorn on their side, and you know, like the pushing them around, and so, um, they decided to stage a coup two years ago, and we have a revolution, like you know, fi- We've got like about 14 provinces, or we call them states and divisions. Mm-hmm. And of the 14, 12 of them are currently undergoing varying degrees of um, um, armed conflict. You know, the, the young generation, we call them Generation Z, who used to play video games. They swap their video games and they are, you know, importing um, drones, civilian educational drones. They convert them. Because they're really like, tech savvy, they convert them into lethal weapons. You know, because, like you know, in the absence of support from any other country, you know, we're not from neighbors, not from the United States, not from the UK, beyond lip service, we've got like you know, the United States and UK, like you know, Johnson or Sunak or Biden or whoever are you know, sending billions of dollars worth of arms to Ukraine yeah. to for Ukrainian people to defend themselves against the Russian aggression. Well, we've got the uh, national army that turns its you know its guns on this, the entire society, right? Of including Buddhist Burmese who cheered at the uh, the genocide, you know, about five years ago. Yeah. Um, now, now, now these kids are turning drones into um, um, weapons. Because, and then, like, you know, garment factory workers, majority of them, 90%, are women, you know, about uh, 70, 700,000. Many of them joined the uh, uh, the protest movement, civil disobedience, we call them, mm-hmm. uh, peaceful. And then when that didn't work, uh, a lot of workers took up arms. They're fighting in the jungle. I mean, like, beauty patients, comedians, academics, engineers, doctors, you name it. People from all walks of life and professions. You know, even like you know, my own uh, relatives, young kids in their twenties, leaving like 18 months old, my grandniece, and and they're taking up arms. (laughs) What can I say? You know, I probably do the same thing. Yeah, lucky. It's incredible. Um, So, how does this? So, so no
0: sweat. uh, Aim to. uh, Build solidarity with with garment workers, and um, uh, so how how does all of this stuff relate to garment workers and the clothes that are sold on this high street?
4: Well, we've got thirty seven high street brands that were also, you know that were sourced in Burma through third um, parties, right? yeah, and then we also have like Chinese factories, uh, you know, meaning like uh, owned by um, uh, the Chinese uh, co- um, corporations and investors from China, right? So when you've got um, uh, you can do socially responsible sourcing or any type of uh, assembly line or garment uh, work in a state that does not respect human rights. Well, yeah. we've got a state that that is known to have committed genocide and that is known to be perpetrating all kinds of crimes. You know, written, ever written in international law. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the socially um, responsible business is is, is absolutely. Uh, nonsense! It's not possible. I think, like uh, Jay and his group, are calling for companies like you know H and M, Zara, uh, Primark. Uh, a few months ago, you know, I joined them uh, uh, in protest uh, around Oxford Cir- uh, Circus uh, against uh, these companies. But we're not asking consumers to boycott these uh, companies. We're mm-hmm. asking the companies themselves, H and M, Zara, right, to exit responsibly, meaning like you know compensate. When you leave, yeah, you know, like the, the yeah, workers yeah. that will get laid off. We're, we're talking about like you know, the biggest employment sector. You know, like twenty eight percent of the Burma's national income, uh, that before the coup came from the, this sector, right? And this is the the largest em, uh, you know, employer, the garment and, and mind you, most of them are women. 80%. And before the coup, they were organizing, weren't they? Before yeah. the coup, there yeah, was quite got, a big movement. Well, uh, I mean, like, any type of organized uh, action is a threat to military dictatorship or genocidal regime. Yeah. So we've got, like, a 16 labor and labor-linked organization. They're all banned, right? And also, like, the, uh, the you, you you asked about the, uh, the companies, mm-hmm. right? Well, I mean, the labor conditions in Burma according you know according to the international federation of trade union survey they've got this global labor, labor global labor index you know ranking the conditions of uh, work around the world in about 147 countries we are the worst at the very you're at the bottom one out of five five being worst we are five in every category wow. and in that situation you you know you're getting uh, you're getting products from h&m zara you know, Primat mm-hmm. and other bestseller uh, brands. Yeah, and and th- this it's it's essentially a modern day slavery. Women have to prove that they're having men- they're menstruating before they can go to the toilet. And then it's like you know, I, I specialize in genocide. If you go to like your Auschwitz, you learn that like you know, the the um, the inmates were given a few minutes to do um toilet every day, two minutes, three minutes. That's it. The whole day. And then, like you know, if you're not done, like you're not done. Yeah. And so the so the, these companies that that were pro- producing these garments for a high street brands in Oxford, they have they restrict workers from going to toilet when they need to. There's a certain set slots that yeah, they have yeah, to go. Yeah. And these and are the so clothes. You can, can you program your, you know, biology?
0: Yeah. And these are the clothes that are sold here. These are the clothes on our back. And again, it's important to pick up that point of um, you're not calling for
4: a no, boycott. No, no, no. This is a
0: traditional thing that we, you know, from the 90s, no sweat. And they go, you want to boycott these companies. But, but the, no sweat. Ask people what do you what do you want us to do usefully, and that's...
4: no, no. We're not asking the um, individual consumer to say like, don't buy you know products from uh, Premac or H H&M. and mm-hmm. You know, majority of people would have to like look at their uh, you know WhatsApp wallets right in, in this uh, the you know super, in, inflationary period. And so like we're not asking we're not putting the burden on them, yeah. but we're putting the burden on the corporations that are raking in billions. You know, I mean, like, uh, this is just one f- uh, sector. We've got like the oil. Uh, Bur- Burma has uh, one of the 10 largest natural gas proportions in the world. And uh, because of the consumer act, uh, the activism, labor rights activism and others, uh, w- we are able to push um, some of the brand name oil companies out of Burma. Now, like Chevron is the last uh, to leave, yeah. and then Total um, is about to leave. I mean, when they leave, like, they just sell it to... Uh, another company that is less susceptible to reputational damage.
0: Yeah. Less, that's such a good... Less, that phrase, less susceptible to reputational damage. That's like, Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how can these awful idiots help?
4: <laughs> uh, I, th- I think I, if I want to ask for their money, I wouldn't call them... You know. <laughs> oh, shit, be you're s- better at this than I am. I'm a, cla- no, I'm a clown. No, 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 you're an activist. Right? No, no, no. no. <laughs> a- 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 Andrew, they're, they're like, you know, Liberal patrons of human rights.
0: How can these liberal patrons of human rights <laughs> help the people of Burma?
4: Well, I mean, like I'll be straight. Like you know, we have a revolution going on, and and, and uh, you know, like young women um, are making bombs. Right? I mean, in the age when BBC journalists are able to tweet and get away with, uh, you know. Saying this is how you throw Molotov cocktail at uh, Russian tanks. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at the uh, media coverage of the West, I mean, you know, uh, uh, obviously Putin's an evil <laughs> bastard, right? And but the West is also not innocent. You know, we all know this. Uh, the, I'm, I'm not going to paint. Uh, the, I'm not going to fall into this like a uh, black and white picture. Yeah. But you know what? What matters is that Ukrainian people are suffering. And they're fighting back, yeah. And they're getting all the support, you know. Like you've got people like Bono and others going to Krakow and other train stations to welcome the uh, Ukrainians. But that that didn't happen when uh, Afghanistan people or like Syrians or others or Somalians come to Europe. Now, Europe's already, uh, you know, say fortified, say fortress Europe, right? Yeah. And uh, but for, for the white Christian blue-eyed blonde hair, eh, Europe opens itself. Well, well, let's you know liberalism is colorblind mm-hmm. and, and, and you know support our struggle as well. We're also defending ourselves yeah. you know? so like the Burmese people are selling um, doing bake sales and selling like you know Burmese dishes to raise money. I mean even then like you know we raised we 30 million selling uh, cookies and then we send them for humanitarian assistance to the fighters. Because, like you know, the revolutionaries also need to eat. So, so I send money; and they can buy food, weapons, whatever. Yeah.
0: The revolutionaries need to eat. That's a fucking good phrase. We're going to finish on that. Thank you so much, Arnie. Round you. Of applause, please, for Arnie. Sign up, sign up to the, the No Sweat newsletter. No Sweat, have a campaign um, about um, the the um, responsible exit of companies from, from Burma. Um, so get involved uh, and go and talk to Zan. He's over there and he's fucking brilliant. So, you know, there's a couple of intervals. Do go have a look at the stalls, chat to our guests and, you know, chat to each other because there's a moment happening at the moment politically. There's a groundswell of activism happening and you are all part of it. So talk to each other, build community, talk to our guests, sign up. So one, two. Thank you, Tony. Right. So please uh, welcome to the stage. Um, We have uh, uh, Ada and Anthony from the uh, Haiti support group. (laughs) Keep it going as they get to the stage. Make them feel like rock stars. That's it. Because they are rock stars. Hello, mate. Hello. Hello, mate. Right. Have a sit, have a microphone. Testing. Please talk into the mics because we're recording recording for our podcast, you see. Um, So please introduce yourselves, tell us who you are, what you do, and that.
3: Hello, I'm Aida. I am Haitian German, currently living in Frankfurt, and doing my PhD. Um, Yes, well, still doing my PhD Mm -hmm. on the border relations between Haiti and the Dominican Republic.
5: And me. Um, It's very bright. Up here, so I might have forgotten who I am. <laughs> but I'm Anthony. Um, I'm currently secretary of the Haiti Support Group, former chair of the Haiti Support Group. Um, I have a great passion for the Caribbean region as a whole. And Haiti is the kind of place that just you fall in love with it. Aye, and, when, bobo. and once you fall for Haiti, it keeps bringing you back. And just just go learn about it. There's this wonderful wonderful documentary on at the moment, Cannibal on BBC iPlayer. Go look it up.
4: Fabulous. Thank you.
0: you do that. Write that down.
5: Please we'll do. Say Someone, again, we'll just, say
0: again. We'll again. Say keep saying it. I just keep <laughs> saying it. Um, so tell us about the. Um, uh, A very quick preview of the general history of Haiti, but more, I know that, but that's my career. Um, uh, But um, uh, and a little history, general history of Haiti, and then more specifically, the recent history of Haiti, what's been happening over the last few years.
5: Okay, I'll kick off. So, (laughs) the slavers used to call it the Pearl of the Antilles, and I think that sums it up quite well in the sense that since... Since the dawn of recorded history, Haiti and the people in it have been a target for exploitation for those from outside who wish to extract wealth from its people and its land. And first, it was boar smuggling. The bucanier or buccaneers were there, and then came sugar, and with sugar came the slave trade. And by 1791, over five hundred thousand people from Africa had been taken forcefully to, to Haiti, to what they, the French called Saint-Domingue, and then something remarkable happened. And what happened was the slaves rose up. And that wasn't remarkable because people have always resisted shackles, right? But what was remarkable is that they beat all of the armies of Europe, the French, the British, the Spanish, and then the Napoleonic army. They defeated the Napoleonic army before Nelson defeated the Napoleonic army. Where is Jean-Jacques Dessalines' statue in London? I ask. And for that, Haiti became a beacon of freedom. And it still is a beacon of freedom. The Haitian Revolution still remains. You see why it got me? You see why this history got me? It remains this wonderful thing. And for that, they were ostracized in 1824. In order to be welcomed in part back into the so-called international community, you'll hear me say that a bit, um President Boyer was forced to pay an indemnity, compensation for property lost by France in the war. And that debt in modern terms is billions of dollars. And Haiti has been cycling into that headwind ever since. Now, Haiti persevered. They became an agrarian economy, an unequal economy. You had the poor rural masses growing largely coffee and subsistence, and then the elites in the towns and the cities making money off that. In 1915, the U.S., uh, after a period of instability, which they ex- exacerbated, they occupied Haiti for 19 years. They tried to reintroduce a plantation economy, but more importantly, they reorientated that economy outwards towards themselves. In the Second World War, they su- uh, made the Haitian president Preval sign, not Preval, it was, uh, it was someone else whose mind has, uh, whose name has slipped me. <laughs> Um, Let's go. Let's go. But anyway, he uh, signed an agreement to grow rubber for U.S. tanks in the Second World War. That rubber drained the land of its fertility, among others, exacerbating a land hunger and desertification. Now, what happened there was that over over the 20th century, there was mass internal migration into the cities. People who lost their rural livelihoods came to the cities. And then what happened, you might have heard of... um, François Duvalier or Jean-Claude Duvalier the 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 Papa Doc and Baby Doc better known as and uh during those times Baby Doc in particular Jean-Claude he was portly and stupid he was lacking legitimacy so he um he looked to the US for help and they said we'll we'll prop up your regime if you open your borders and so what you had in Port-au-Prince in the north near cap is you had a lot of people who come to the towns to look for a better life, and what they were offered was a lot of light industry garment factories for a time in the late 19, in the late 20th century Haiti was the world leader in making baseballs and now I think everyone in this room knows how much the workers were paid for those but the Haitian people they continued to they continue to fight they've always fought they fought the slavers they fought. The kleptocrats of the Devaliers, they fought the U.S. occupation. They failed the Devaliers. They tried to implement democracy. And that was undermined. And what happened in Port-au-Prince, in particular, swelled with slums. We might know them as Bidonville. And they crawled up the mountainside, the steep valley walls. When the earthquake came in 2010, those communities did not stand a chance. You might remember Bill Clinton saying, We're going to build it back better after 2010. What did that mean? More light industry. Garment factories. Low wages. Ida, I'm going to bring you in. (laughs) Um,
3: If that's all right, I'm going to go straight in and keep talking about Garment Assembly. Yeah. So um, basically what's important to remember in all of this is that this is a development that is happening all over the world. And so when light industry is being pushed for under Valley in the 80s, this is an export-oriented development idea that is being pushed in a lot of other countries as well. And the idea of export processing zones, which is the idea of an apolitical sphere where you can push for economic interests and entice like investments from from abroad um as something that ha- doesn't just happen in Haiti it happens all over um and so from the beginning within these export se- processing zones um the the priority is profit and the priority is um to increase well to increase economic activity and you packages as an option for development. Mm -hmm. So this is also the reason why after the earthquake in 2010, this Building Back Better initiative, which was heavily pushed um, by economists such as Paul Collier here in in the UK, but um, massively advocated by the Clintons who have a very strange relationship with Haiti. They went on their honeymoon in Haiti. They have like a lot of investments in Haiti as well. So um, this push is then just picked up again packaged differently and now again, presented as a development alternative. So the idea is that you create jobs, um, and that by having some foreign investment, this foreign investment is going to somehow trickle out of the expert processing zone into Haitian society. Um, and I'm guessing you're not surprised that is not the case. So, um, to the point where also dynamics that we can see globally, financialization, um, of people's private lives happens as much in the UK as it happens in Haiti. And so people get their salaries paid onto cards. They can pay on, like, buy food, for example, on credit, which ends up creating a situation where their entire wages are being spent within the export processing zone. So not a single vendor m- necessarily gets any money from lunch meals that are bought in their in the breaks because people don't have cash so they just use their cards and at the end of the month they basically just bounce back to zero with their wages and they're in a perpetual state of working to feed themselves, all of them thinking that within one or two years they'd be able to maybe start a business and make themselves independent and actually spending nine or ten years in this factory not getting out.
5: Welcome to
0: the party. (laughs) So what's happened in the last couple of years in Haiti? Because there's there's been a huge protest and and
5: there's been fallout. So tell us about that. So the protests have been running running hot since for, for seven, eight years now. Right. And... But its roots, now, I'm a historian, so I'll say its roots, you know, you can find them 200 years back. But in particular, you'll find them in the post-earthquake political landscape. Now, what you've got is um, a party who have been in charge of Haiti since just after the earthquake. So, from the end of 2010 onwards, called Tech Calais. And their slogan, you might be familiar with the slogan, Open for Business. And that the so-called international community whose interests of course have Haitian wishes at the heart. Um, they loved that. They loved that slogan. And so you had, uh, Mickey Martelly was president, uh, for a time after coming third, uh, in a two man runoff. Um, (laughs) and then he was succeeded by his handpicked successor, Jovenel Moise. um, and during this time, Haiti had accepted loans from Venezuela, known as the Petrocaribe loans. And the idea was Venezuela would loan you money if you had reinvested it into uh, social infrastructure. Uh, that money went missing, and uh, Haiti defaulted on those loans. And in order to Rectify the financial situation. The International Monetary Fund demanded that Tech Calais raise taxes on petrol. Now, this is a country with no trains. This is a country with, um, where petrol, buses, um, cars are vital, motorbikes are vital. And they decided, they knew this would be unpopular. They decided to raise it during the World Cup. Um, and Haitians went out to watch their beloved Brazil play and Brazil lost to Belgium. This is taking you back to back to 2014. And, um, yeah, they, uh, they came back and found petrol had gone up and that was it. That lit the fuse. And from then on, that is, that is, um, accelerating. Now the protests are fueled by, I want to tie these things together because global solidarity is why we're here. Right. So, um, is that is that generation following mine? Generation Z. Um, there, there's a group that is uh, one of many, uh, which reminds. It just I always think about "Nou we'll never sleep, we'll never rest." Uh, the new generation are determined to make Haiti and the world a better place. Um, I think we've seen that here as well, and. They've been fueling the, de- uh, the demonstrations, but they've joined with our, many of our civil society partners, uh, who we work with in the Haiti support groups. So you've got trade unions, human rights activists, women's activists, um, you know, general uh, civil society, religious groups, and so on, who are who, who are earnestly trying to build Haiti into a. a a place where you know democracy can thrive, where everyone can have uh, the basic uh, things that we in, in the UK largely um, accept as standard. And that's been going on and on and on. And then in 2021, apologies have been going on a bit, but 2021, the president was assassinated. Jovenel Moise was assassinated. Now, at this point now, that was probably 18, 9, uh, 18 20 months ago. Since then, there's not been another president. The prime minister has ruled by decree. No one in parliament is still in their elected term, and elected is a term I use with great care because we're talking 15% turnouts. gunmen at the ballot box. Um, Reminds me, when I was on the train from Manchester this morning, I did see, bring your photo ID to the ballot box this May. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's a that's a tangent. But um, so right now, so just because this
0: is fascinating, but also like Lou Sanders is on in a bit. Yeah, you got some um, comedy and, coming up. Uh, <laughs>
4: um,
0: so so what's happened in the last? So so there was this massive protest about a year ago. Is that
5: right? It's been uh, every every year. Right. So, okay. Well, I see. So
3: I think what's important also to remember is that. The Haitian economy is mainly an informal economy, that there's very, very few formal labor jobs that give you some sense of regular income. Mm-hmm. Um, and that generally when formal workers start protesting, informal workers are already in dire, dire, under dire pressure. Right, right. And that normally these kind of movements always move together. So I want to talk about Bataille yeah. because, um, that they're also an organization that has been working with you and with uh, no sweat for a long time. Um, and so Bataille Ouvrier is a platform that works nationally and unites and represents uh, a lot of different labor movements in Haiti. Part of them garment assembly, but some of them also in the agriculture sector. And throughout this time, and especially in the past, well, I mean, they've existed longer than I have, but, um, they, through over the past 20 years, they have been very active in Uniting both the political kind of agenda and addressing the, the pressures that Anthony just mentioned and also trying to get to some form of labor, labor standards and agreements within the government assembly sector. Yeah. Um, and they have done so successfully. So, um, so for example, in 2004, 2005, um, in In solidarity with a lot of international trade union movements, they managed to get the private lending arm of the World Bank to finally include clauses um for worker rights within their lending agreements right, so right. There is an export processing zone on the Haitian-Dominican border, which was co-funded by this private lending arm of the World Bank. And Levi's was producing there. A lot of garments for Disney were produced there. So these are big, big companies. Currently, Haynes is producing there. Um, the Gap was producing in Haitian um, export processing zones. And so the thing is that this is not transparent to us because we don't see the, the labels, the colors that we recognize on these production halls, but that is where they are being produced and when pressure was put on these production sites through International Solidarity, through Bataille Ouvrier, through the workers on the ground who are very much politically aware of what is happening to them um, they managed to first of all pressure the World Bank, Levi's left Haiti because it's damaging for the brand Mm -hmm. and they managed to get trade unions into every production site, they managed to get minimum wage agreements, Um, so all of these things are victories, always with buts, because of course there's still pressures and they're always being eroded, but um it shows for the importance of international solidarity and an active questioning and support of the labour standards that are happening here in the UK, in Europe as well, because the pressures are the same.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, we're going to have to cut it there, but... Round of applause for these two wonderful people. Now, so look, this is just, this is a tiny glimpse, and I know we all want to hear more, so go and uh, chat to Antti and Anna, Adia over there. Um, sign up. What we're going to do, we're going to do, if you sign up to the newsletter, we're going to put links in for all this information and and pick up a copy of this publication that's over there. Is it free? Quite. No. Fuck no. <laughs> Thank you so much. An absolute (laughs) pleasure. Cheers, guys. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Anthony and Ada! Next time, we'll just fuck the comedy off and sit, listen, rapped. Interesting? Does it make you feel fired up to get fucking active? brilliant that's what we're here to do thank you for being here you this is a fundraiser as well so you're already doing something by being here we're gonna have a quick break go to the bars go to the toilet do what you need to do then we're gonna come back with some comedy please another round of applause for all of the speakers you saw in that first section go and chat to them all right they're very friendly and they smell nice So then, now at the, beginning, uh, at the beginning, I made sure that I was including all of the young people, okay, uh, because I love all of you and I want you all to be included, uh, but now what I want me to make, because the thing is, right, I, not everyone, I like weird comedy, not everyone like, you know, I like outsider-up weird comedy, that's the sort of thing, you know, onion books, read them and weep, you know, I prefer, and <laughs> you know, that's my sort of, uh, magneto on a lilo, magneto on a lilo, magneto on a lilo, his head points north, you know, that's my... That's what I like, right? It's people are explaining it at the back. It's magnetic, uh, so uh, clues are there. Um, but look, as your host, uh, it's, you know, I need to make sure everyone's on board, right? So I've got some more boardy material, right, for more of a broad sort of audience, right? Because I've discovered, ladies and gentlemen, and the Gender Progressive, I've discovered that every proverb, right, every proverb becomes more amusing if you substitute one of the words in the proverb for the word wank, body material for a broader audience. Here we go. Too many wanks spoil the broth. Right, it's quite a broad audience, isn't it? Okay, get on. I'm glad I brought this stuff. A wank in time saves nine. Look before you wank. A wank in the hand is worth two in the bush. Uh, there you go. Some of them are better than others. Right, so. is Everybody feeling okay? Yeah. Say yeah. yeah. Say fuck yeah. fuck yeah. Say I reject Jesus Christ and the word of the liar Jehovah. <laughs> we'll teach you the words after. Uh, we'll bring the church down by repeating chants, which is how they started it. So uh, uh, a couple of political things. You know, uh, do more. That's it. Uh, so, right, uh, uh, the money raised by tonight goes to two organizations. One uh, based in Haiti and one based in Burma. Uh, I've written them on my hand because I'm a fucking chaos brain. Uh, so the ABFTU, yeah, big fans in. I uh, believe it's the All-Burma Federated Federation of Trade Unions. Is that correct? Yeah. So half it goes to them and the, the other half goes to uh, Bataille Ouvrier, uh, which is the, um, the Haitian organization. <laughs> It's so fucking cool to be on this stage, the fucking, oh, iconic punk venue. Because uh, all the other ones got gentrified away. Uh, it's, you know, there were loads of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, some people got banned from them. Uh, that's a punk reference you may enjoy. I don't know. It's the Roxy. So, look, good evening. Hello, welcome back to the third section. Are you all right? Good. Uh, so, um, right, look i tell you what, right? Sometimes these gigs are quite hard work, but you're a fucking delight. You're smart and you're switched on and you're punk as fuck. It's excellent. Thank you for coming out. You've done a thing by coming out, right? But also, here's the thing. I genuinely believe that we are at a a unique point in my lifetime uh, where there's a huge groundswell of activism. Uh, And what seems to have happened is the capitalists have gone, we can just keep raising prices and asking for more and treat people more badly. And all of a sudden, middle-class people are affected. (laughs) And they've gone, do you know what? I think these workers may have a point. And then we get fucking strikes all over the place. Uh, But what's happening with strikes, and this is what traditionally happens, is that workers go, oh, if we... Joined together in solidarity, we can get shit done, and that's true. And what No Sweat tried to do is get you lot to join in in solidarity internationally, and then you can get shit done. Because what happened was is you know England, uh, Britain, the first of the you know originated the industrial revolution, but also as a result originated a lot of uh, industrial action, and and people went, oh okay, well we'll raise wages and we'll get you know good working conditions. Oh look, there's a country over here (laughs) that aren't quite as you know, and they. go around the globe but internationally if we mop up all of that and if we have solidarity with these incredible groups people on the ground who are doing the work it's not fucking white saviour shit we just have to go it's really good carry on Uh, you know you're better than us have some money you know we can do it and we can make genuine change I genuinely believe that more than I've ever known because things are so bad things can get fucking better there's hope and also the kids aren't they great Genuinely, teenagers and Gen Z and all that, they're all fucking kind and caring for each other and looking after each other and getting involved. They've got fucking optimism. Gen Z have optimism, and they don't even know that Badger likes mashed potato. (laughs) And yet they thrive! So a round of applause for the youngsters! There is hope. Right, I'm going to bring one of them on now. She's not that young. Uh, (laughs) It's so one of my comrades in No Sweat, uh, Nav, who, who was... Oh, fuck. Look up. Go on the No Sweat Instagram, because Nav was part of an amazing action against Boohoo, the company, who were like, we're like really ethical and shit. And Nav went, no, you fucking not, <laughs> at their event. And it was completely amazing and inspiring. Uh, so please welcome my comrade, my podcast co-host,
2: Nav. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's so nice to see so many faces. Um, and I just want to say, at No Sweat, we're a bunch of campaigners. Um, and we totally understand that not everyone has the time to join regular meetings and, uh, you know, to get, in, get involved. But there are different ways that you can get involved. Uh, for example, you can start off by listening to our podcast, which seems like not a lot of you have. <laughs> so, fucking get on it now. <laughs> Um, so yeah listen to our podcast share it any sort of stuff that we have online uh, please share it because we want to like reach out to a wider audience Um, donate as well so we're not a not for profit organisation and any extra money that we do have we need it well we put it into our garment workers solidarity fund and then we distribute it to garment worker trade unions around the world so like like today it's going to go to Haiti and and so, yeah, please just donate um, and join us in actions. So, obviously, we'll probably post actions that are going on. And the more people that there is, obviously, there's shrimp in numbers. Um, so, yeah, and it's a really wholesome sort of uh, sort of feel. So, if you do feel like it, do join along. Um, and we've got a t-shirt project. So, we have a factory that we work with in Bangladesh. And we make sure that the, the factory that we work with is fully unionised, And if you're in a band or part of an organization, please get our t shirts and and order them in. And there's a few contacts that we have that we can print your designs on. So, yeah, please do get involved. Thank you.
0: I'd also like you to give a shout-out to Maisha, our other podcast host, who's absolutely fucking wonderful. Never, you. So, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I get my, my... The t-shirts I get printed, I get printed by... Uh, uh, they're no sweat t-shirts, and they're fucking fully... They're eco, they're unionised, they're wonderful. And also, like, bands that you... Like, big bands that you like, message them and ask them who makes their t-shirts. And so if they go, it's, um, it's Gildan's ethical one, ask them two questions. Number one, do you know where they're made? And number two, why why's Gildan got an ethical one and a not ethical one? <laughs> I mean, it's like McDonald's having vegan options. Fuck off, seriously. Right, got two acts in this section. They're both fucking brilliant and I'm stoked to have them on stage. Are you ready? Yeah. So please welcome to the stage my friend and wonderful comic, Sanjay
6: Is, um, uh, is anyone else here tonight, uh, apart from me, is, is anybody else um, on drugs? Yeah. yeah, I thought so. Definitely that sign. <laughs> but nobody else? no one out? Not this side? Oh, I'm very confused. I've been... I, I, oh, boo, yeah, take drugs. Uh, prescription will do? No one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it, that's it. I've figured it out now. I've been sat at the back. And I've been trying to figure out the audience, and I cannot do it. I don't know what you are. I haven't absolutely... Not. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, that's a good thing. But it does mean I am woefully unprepared. Uh, I will... Uh, I'll tell you... I, I want to tell you a little bit about myself, just because... I don't think you need it in London, but I've been gigging a lot in the West Country. And a lot of them are like, "What? what is this? So... <laughs> it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Uh, they're just stop a lot of us going there a lot of the time uh, so I have to say like, uh, I've, got, I've got mixed heritage my uh, dad is Turkish my mum is Indian that's two very different cultures in my household uh, growing up so what it means to me is that my, my Muslim father would say don't eat pigs they're dirty and my Hindu mother would say don't eat anything might be a granddad. That is the limit of my understanding of both of their cultures, uh, completely. Um, oh, I should probably say as well, don't worry about that, don't worry about that. That's just got some, uh <laughs> I did think we were past that, but not yet. Not yet, it's fine. <laughs> that's got some, that's got some props in it, and that is, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it yet. Uh, it depends. If you are not a good audience, then I will punish you with the stuff I really want to do. Uh, I, no- I, noticed, I noticed Andrew did some broad comedy and you responded to it well. And that is very niche. Comedy. Um, technically, I think there's one joke in it which counts. Uh, so I'll ask you. I'll ask you if you want that. Maybe I'll, te- maybe I'll tell a joke and then, uh, and then let you... Choose. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, oh, 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 do I want to tell this joke? Okay, I'm going to try this quick joke and see how you uh, respond to it. Because I, I have uh, children now uh, with, my, with my wife. I'm married. Uh, I don't wear a wedding ring because I find it very difficult to meet other women. Uh, women <laughs> do, so. uh, leave that off. Leave that off. And uh, she's, uh, she's English, full English. Uh, she doesn't like being called that. Um, or old Brecky Baps. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like it. And, uh, but it's her own fault because she did DNA tests. She wanted to find out where she was really from. And it came back 100% British Bulldog. Do not call her that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. She does not like that. Uh, but it's opened up this new world to me of people doing DNA tests, going online, finding out they're like 116th Welsh, popping on Facebook and going, oh. I never realized I was mixed race. <laughs> <laughs> That's not mixed race. <laughs> you don't get to join the struggle. Ah, <laughs> uh, so because like I, I don't want to get too serious too quickly. I know in London it's very multicultural, you're all lovely, lovely people, but I didn't grow up in London. I had a little bit of a difficult growing up, you know, mainly because I grew up in Kent and it's full of cunts. But, <laughs> so I thought that things might be a little bit difficult for my children because By default, they will be mixed race, because that is how genetics work. Uh, But I don't have to worry, you know? Not because the world's changed or anything. They've just come out very white. They're going to be absolutely fine. (laughs) They're going to be absolutely fine. All right, I want to stop talking about this now, because I am so hot. Like, uh, what happened was I was booked for this gig for no sweat, and I went through my whole wardrobe and realized I have not been taking note of what I've been buying. So, so I just picked the only t-shirt without a label because I think it was stolen and, and I was like oh that'd be fine that'd be fine if I questioned about it I'd just say I got it from a charity shop or something I'm not going to give any time to that because uh, I didn't hear it uh, and I was like okay yeah, that'd be fine I can wear that on stage and then I found out that Disney were making their t-shirts in Haiti and I was like oh fuck I'm going to have to wear my hoodie um <laughs> And I'm just too hot, so I'm really sorry. I'm a terrible person because they. I think Disney are terrible because they bought they bought the Muppets. Uh, oh, I got one cheer. Oh. I don't. I don't. I don't actually want a cheer <laughs> for for taking off. Top. Oh god, I just had to take it off. Thank you very much. I'm Sanjaf.
0: We're about to have a headline act, uh, and so look, change is possible. If we fucking club together in solidarity, international solidarity, we can fucking make change. We can build the world we want, because the world was built by people, all right? So we can build the one we want. We can fucking do it. We need hope, and we need narratives, and all of these people you've heard from, and, and you know, you can fucking do it. Um, you ready for your headline act? I fucking love this man, and I'm excited that he's on. So, please, clap, share, whip, and honour for the absolutely fantastic Mark Thomas!
7: Good evening! Welcome, welcome, welcome! Sisters, brothers, non-binary others, how the fuck are you? Good to see you, I'm so fucking excited, uh, because it... Look, I'll just be honest, right? We're good. It's great to be in a room where there's no Tories and you just have to sort of like... But you, you just know there are none here. There might be one who's turned up as a testament of faith and going, oh, I'm broad... No, fuck off if you are. Everyone else, everyone else is fucking welcome. Everyone else... Here. Socialists, let me hear you shout. Trade unionists, let me hear you shout. Anarchists, let me hear you shout. And Labour Party, you're, you're welcome to stay. The... um. <laughs> Trade unionists, where are you? Give me a shout. Yeah. Right, brilliant. Lovely to see you here. Fucking great. I love the... What trade unions have we got in? Unite. Unite. NEU Any you teachers are in, lovely. Anyone else? PCS. PCS, good to see you, civil servants. Forward with the revolutionary ardour of the pen and the form. Um... <laughs> I I, I shouted the other night, who have we got in, and somebody shouted IWW, and I'm like fuck, the wobblies, the old anarcho syndicalists, and I said mate it's brilliant to have you in, what do you do for a living, he said I'm a vicar, I'm like fucking yes, yes anarcho vicar, here's the way for help yourself, right? fucking brilliant and I love grassroots union that's where it happens that's where the stuff real happens change happens from the grassroots right you get unions like the United Voice of the World or you get unions like um, the, the United Sex Workers who are a grassroots uh, sex workers organisation <laughs> and that is really exciting to see a union the of of do what was that lovely of yes you, you I mean you, you did that in quite an aggressive way <laughs> Uh, but you are right. You don't no, don't apologize. You're like an auto-destruct heckle. You don't apologize. <laughs> people know, people here know me. They know that I, by, on, on a matter of principle, I work with mixed ability hecklers. I do it as a matter of principle. <laughs> right? And I will always do that. It's not just for the clever people. Um, so listen, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna um... I'm gonna fuck off mentally regroup. Pardon? <laughs> I love that. That was like a Cleo Lane jazz heckle. Did a bum, did a dum, but did look that did a double dum, 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 Fuck off, that did do do that Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, Fuck off. So, um, I know it was a jazz heckle at the Hundred Club. <laughs> um, you, you've been an absolute delight. And I've enjoyed this immensely. And it's really important that we support grassroots trade unions. It's really fucking important. It's important that we support workers in struggle. Right? Um, But look, you have genuinely been a delight and thank you for coming. And please continue to support No Sweat and all workers in struggle.
0: Have you enjoyed yourselves? You've raised money for real action. Be proud of yourselves. Get involved, all right? Talk to people, make communities, and fucking, you know, and join your trade union. this has been an absolute delight. What an, what an utter pleasure. Listen to the No Sweat podcast. Sign the mailing list. Uh, talk to our fucking wonderful activists at the, uh, uh, at the stalls. And just get involved and make change, yeah? yeah. A round of applause for everybody you saw on stage tonight. A round of applause for the No Sweat activists. Volunteers. A round of applause for your staff at the 100 Club. Serving you drinks. Uh, Build international solidarity and, uh, you know, feel good about yourselves. Thank you very much. Good night. that was our incredible benefit gig we did at the 100 club and that brings us to the end of the first series of the no sweat podcast and it's been an absolute delight guys getting to know you chatting about the things learning from you um being inspired it's been wicked how have you how do you think it went this is now the 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 <laughs> it's like the kind of management appraisal uh, this is we were talking to H, no sweat hr how do you think it went <laughs> have you enjoyed it
1: yeah, I think, do you know what's been nice is like humanising, like for me personally, I feel like I read a lot, like I see data I read a lot of allegations and human rights abuses and it's really hard to not become desensitised and to yeah. be like, oh yeah, this many non-people people have died in this, this factory fire and this has happened here so when you talk to people and it's not just talking to people about how sad it is or Um, like how terrible the situation is but actually talking to people who are actively changing things and like who are teaching us so much about what act what resistance looks like Mm -hmm. I think it's really I feel like it's both very humanizing but it's also been really inspiring and I think every time we've had a conversation I feel like me and Nav have just been like literally punching our fist in the air like yeah yeah oh my gosh we should resist yeah fuck the system yeah so it's been really really it's been an experience and I'm really glad that I'm really grateful and I always say I'm very I feel very privileged to have been a part of this and to have been involved in these conversations and to have had these conversations with such amazing inspiring people and mm. yeah looking forward to season 2 guys <laughs> if it happens um yeah it no, will I'll happen it
2: will. <laughs> nothing can stop the resistance <laughs> but yeah like you're right it's been amazing um i feel super grateful to be able to talk to such amazing people that are doing work on the ground and organizing and it's been super inspiring and yeah it's just a great way to learn i'm I'm genuinely so grateful for this opportunity
0: it's been great it's been a delight and it's been you we i have like you know, just
2: been kicked off X
1: Factor. We're
2: like, we're <laughs> X Factor you never know; we n- might not be on episode, well, season yeah, two. Yeah, Jason, kick
6: us out. Well, Jay, we're
0: really grateful for this opportunity. Well, I mean, you know, what, Chris. I mean, I came here with nothing, you know, so I'm leaving <laughs> with nothing—that doesn't, you know, it's, its lovely just to play the game, you know. Um, no, it's been—it's it's been great, and it feels—I've got—I've got a sense of a feeling of hope I haven't had in a long time. Uh, about the various different, the groundswell of various different, um, you know, social movements and union organising and just kind of awareness. Uh, uh, there, there seems to be something that I, I haven't probably felt since since the kind of late nineties. Um, you know, there's a lot of kind of anti- there's big anti-capitalist demonstrations in the late nineties and early two thousands around the millennium, and that felt like a movement, <laughs> and then that got just taken away. <laughs> and it, but it really yeah. feels like it's kind of it's coming. Kind of, and in fact the fact that the big thing. Uh, is um the after the, the march against the Iraq war, the uh you know, it feels like since then, yeah, we haven't seen anything like you know, like this. It's really it it feels really good and it feels international as well. It feels it feels and that's that's kind of what we're tapping I into think I think with this one. One thing
1: that's really important, I'm glad we've That's another reason why I'm quite glad to be part of this, is because it's there's a huge emphasis on like resistance ground up. Because I feel like there's a general kind of vibe that everything's going to happen top down. If we get if we convince the brands and whatever, like the brands will change things. And it's like no, the resistance is coming from the ground. Things are happening. The only reason, like in Bangladesh for example, minimum wage has increased, is because of the workers rising up. And I think. This is what a big part of this podcast is about and the message is, is that resistance and change is going to come from the ground and it is happening from the ground and it's for us to not kind of put, impose our sort of ideas of what resistance is, but to listen to the people who are actually resisting and learn from that and be like, yeah. act in solidarity rather than kind of imposing our own ideas of what resistance yeah. is.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, everybody. We will see you. In Season 2 of the No Sweat Podcast, I have been Andrew.
1: I've been Maisha. I've been Nab.
0: Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.